Hello and welcome to Messages at BBC. In these messages, you'll hear from professors, staff, guest speakers, as well as students. These messages were spoken and recorded on campus at Boise Bible College. If you'd like to check out Boise Bible College, please see our website at boisebible.edu. Salam, BBC. And in return, we say salam. It means peace in my language. Every time you see someone, you say salam to them. If you have your Bible, can you please open Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 8? And even if you don't, I just want you to hear today what God wants to say to you. Hear, O O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving me this wonderful opportunity to share your word with my brothers and sisters. Father, as I speak today, I want you to take charge and speak through me. My words become your words, and whatever you want, I would be able to speak. Father, as long as I speak, you'll be here, and we feel your presence. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I will today address this passage in three parts. Hear, do, repeat. This famous passage in Hebrew is called the Shema, where Shema means hear. This was Moses' pastoral message to Israel when she was stepping at the border of the promised land, which was full of many gods. Moses cares enough to remind Israel of her full devotion to one loving God, who she kept as her priority during her life in Egypt. In the time of Exodus, this one Lord uniquely intervened by doing several miracles, such as ten plagues, Red Sea, provision of manna and quail, for 40 years. Thus the oneness and uniqueness of the Lord were practical knowledge to them. They just need a reminder. When we relate this scenario to our today's culture, hopefully the oneness of God is not a problem for us as we do not have any itsy bitsy gods among us, right? If you said yes, I want you to think again. Our relationships, our material things, our opinions, Our success, pride, ego are not our gods, right? Personally, I witnessed the uniqueness of our one true God in my life. When I was in Pakistan, I was was, um, discriminated, I was marginalized, I was verbally and mentally persecuted, but God continued to bless and protect me. Similarly, when I came to the U.S., I I witnessed his uniqueness again when people partnered with me to support my education, opened their homes during holiday time so I can have a good time, took care of me as their own family member, and especially when during corona time, BBC let me to stay on campus since going home could be a problem. Likewise, can you think of a time when you witnessed God's uniqueness in your life? Maybe during corona time, when God kept you safe, you did not lose any family member. Or a time when you prayed and God instantly answered and you were like, wow, I was not expecting that. Maybe you should have taken some time. (laughs) 
Or maybe a time when you were just drenched by some fears and some anxiety, depression, and God revealed, relieved you from that. Or think of a time when you were so broken that you thought about suicide and you prayed to God and God did not only relieve you from that thought but give you a reason to live. Isn't it so unique, so special? If so, thus here, O BBC, your God is one. You know that, but just like Israel, you need a reminder. Right after this reminder, now Moses asked Israel to do something. He asked them to love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. This doing part is central to the whole book of Deuteronomy. Moses' point was simple. Since God loved Israel, he expected love in return. Love in this context was not an emotion. It was an action, a verb, a doing. This love required the utmost effort for our personal devotion, our total commitment, and absolute loyalty. As the oneness of God was to be matched by the oneness of devotion to him. Through this command, God wanted Israel to understand that his love will inoculate her from all apostasy or idolatry in the promised land. Every time other gods will flirt with her, she will prioritize her devotion to God. Today, when we stand on the borders of our promised land, God wants us to love him with full devotion. But just like Israel, we are so broken and so fallen and so divided, we either do not have love or we do not know how to love. And the answer is simple. We cannot give something which we do not have, and love is God-given. Once upon a time, there was a mother and a, her son, they were walking down the road. They were just so caught up with their talks, they were just enjoying having good time that they totally ignore a fact that there was a sewer right in the middle of the road. As they walked forward, kid stepped forward and he, he just dropped into that sewer. Now imagine all kind of filth, disturbing, disgusting stuff in that sewer. Are you imagining? Okay, good. That kid is inside there, mother outside crying, pleading for help, making every effort through which she can release the kid. And finally, after some hours, kid was rescued. And as mother saw the kid, the first thing she did, she hugged the kid, she kissed him, she loved him, ignoring the fact that how filthy or smelly that kid was at the moment. Scripture says we love because he loved us first. Today, the gospel gives us the capacity to see and witness God's love. In John 3.16, we see how daring, how inconceivable and invincible God's love is. And in turn, and in return, we shouldn't be afraid or mind to love God from all our heart, our soul, and our strength. Usually it is believed or interpreted that heart, soul, and strength are three separate parts of a person. However, while reading Shema from the Hebrew mind, we see that all are one. Heart in Hebrew mentality is associated with the mind. That is part of our intellect and will, from where we make choices. Soul includes the whole inner, self with all its emotions, desires, and personal character. Strength is a rare meaning for a common Hebrew adverb, which means 
very exceedingly, thus pulling all together, love with all heart, soul, and strength mean love with our whole being, our wholeness, our everything. And this love is special. It's very different because it involves a reverence, a holy reverence, a holy fear of God, and is based on a single-minded loyalty which requires our full devotion. And this devotion leads to sacrifice, sacrifice of our time, energy, money, comforts, or gods we have in our lives. Today, though we offer spiritual sacrifice, yet like physical sacrifice, it hurts, it bleeds, and it kills but makes us a living one. Now the question is how to obtain God's intimacy when there are so many commandments given to us. And the same issue was discussed among Pharisees and teachers of the law who often debated which is the greatest commandment. In Matthew 22, we read one of the Pharisees coming and asking Jesus which is the greatest commandment. In Jesus' time, the Shema was common. It was learned and recited by every Jew. As common and well-known in the culture, Jesus, therefore, does not recommend but recommands the Shema, declaring it as the heartbeat of all other commandments, the very submission of the whole law. Jesus wanted people to not look here and there, but to obey what they have already learned. Because if they love their God, then they will love to do what pleases Him. Because like Moses, Jesus' point was the same. Hearing and not doing it, then we have not heard it. Moses further instructs Israel to now internalize, memorize, and make the Shema as part of their will. Since obedience comes from the heart, he wanted them to place it right there. So the love of God would flow naturally from their lives as their own choice, more as a worship which they love and enjoy. As Christians, we know the Shema from the Old Testament, right? Do we? Okay, good. And do we know the greatest commandment from the New Testament, right? Okay, some know. Thus, as Moses commands that it should be on our hearts. So my question is that, is it really on your heart? I believe as Bible-believing Christian, you will say, yes, it is. Because the more I learn about God, the more real He becomes to me. The more real He becomes to me, the more I see His uniqueness. The more I see His uniqueness, the more I love Him. The more I love Him, the more I want to do something for Him. The more I do for Him, the more I enjoy Him, and the cycle continues. And if that, what is not on your heart today, church, then what is on your heart? Now for the reputation, Moses asked us to do something again. He asked us to teach the Shema, the Word of God, to our children. NIV uses a very fancy word, impress, which means repeat, recount. This reputation was necessary for the benefit of the children. The sad part of Israel's story is as they entered the promised land with loving God, they completely forgot Him. They found that secular culture more attractive because the Bible tells Israel did not pass down the reality of God to the next generation. In fact, today, constantly our next generation finds secular parties, music, people more attractive than church. And that is not their fault. It is how we train them. 
we are either participating with them or are extremely scared to show them the true and real culture of God. Have you heard this phrase, monkey see, monkey do? Have you? It's in English. Okay, good. Okay. Our children are watching us, what we do, and how we love and obey God. Most of us here are not married, but will be future parents one day, or are already serving as youth or worship ministers, or as teachers or camp representatives. Not preaching at you guys, but my encouragement is that you are called by God to carry forward the big mission. You are given his word. It's your responsibility to consistently, constantly, repeatedly infuse the word of God to our next generation, boldly and eagerly. You don't have to be ashamed about talking to God to our children, especially youth ministers and camp reps. Kids follow you. You are their role models. Parents send their kids in high hopes that you will inspire them and teach them what they cannot. You can even stop them from some things which parents cannot stop and they don't listen to. If you will pray to kids in reverence to God and seriousness, read scripture with them, talk about Jesus, leave a gesture of love, share help and forgiveness before them, they will learn from you. And most importantly, if you tell them more and more about God and his works, frankly speaking, Kids get, kids get fascinated. They're just amazed, just like what Claire did today in the worship. That was amazing. Jesus loves me, and I know all those songs I heard for the first time, but it, I love them. In my upbringing, my parents consistently talked to me about God, taught me about his works in past, present, and in coming times. They repeated it so much. It was so much part of our lives, our daily routine, that God's reverence, his existence, and infallibility of his word never faded from my mind. When I came to BBC, my professors and many people around continued the pattern of remembrance in front of me, and my heart loves and respects them for that. Thank you for doing that. Moses wanted the people to make Shema the remembrance and so deep in their lives that it should be visible through their lives. Not, to limit, not limited to our wearing of Christian clothing, Christian tattoos, rosaries, etc. And frankly speaking, this doesn't make us look any different than those Jews who were literally attaching small scrolls inscribed of Shema on their foreheads or on their left arm where hence the purpose was to be spiritually visible as God's people among pagan world. Do you think through these gestures, love of God is spiritually visible in your life? Do you stand out as his people in huge public or when you are alone? Does our clean language, our disciplined life, our self-control, our intentionality, our missionary and community service should separate us as God's people? To whom when people say, see and say, wow, he or she is a real Christian, and I want to be friends with him or her. Our visibility is in the obedience and works of Jesus, the one who did not only hear or preach the Shema, 
but observed in his life. He expressed his love for God through his prayer routine by boldly preaching God's word, by helping the poor, by including the outcast, by hanging out with the sinners, by mourning with the hurt ones, and even by forgiving his worst enemies. He loved God in such a way that he devoted his last breath to him too. Brothers and sisters, today when you leave this place, ask yourself that I'm just limiting myself to hearing the great word of God, the Shema, or I am also observing it. Ask yourself, what can I change to solely impress God's word on my heart? Maybe more time in prayer than on the worries of my looks, money, success, failure relationships. Maybe more time in God's word than on online shopping, Netflix, TikTok, video games. Maybe more time focusing on the works of Jesus than the lives of celebrities. Because none of these worldly pleasures will matter at the end of our days. How we honored, loved God by hearing, doing, and repeating the Shema in every possibility and in every opportunity will be our victory. Let's pray. I'm going to pray in Urdu. قدوس قدوس زندہ اسمانی باپ تردید تمام نعمتوں کا شکر ادا کرتے ہیں خدا باپ میں شکر گزار ہوں کہ مجھے اتنا بڑا موقع ملا تھا کہ میں ان سب لوگوں کے سامنے تیرا کلام شیئر کر سکوں خدا میں سے دعا مانگتی ہوں جو بھی انہوں نے آج سنا میں اس کی امید نہیں رکھتی کہ سب کچھ سمجھ سکیں بٹ مجھے اس کی ضرور امید ہے کہ جتنا انہوں نے سنا ان میں سے ایک بھی الفاظ ایک بھی جملہ ان کے دلوں کو چھوئے خدا باپ اس میں تو برکت ڈالے اور تو ان کی زندگی میں نظر آئے ان سب کو بڑی برکت دینا دے عظیم اور ببرکت نام میں دعا مانگتے ہیں آمین Your message. One of the customs we have at, at BBC when a, a senior speaks is to have everybody gather around and sort of lay hands on him or her, and that doesn't work these days with COVID. So instead, uh, we're going to ask you to, to rise, uh, and I'd like to pray a, a prayer of blessing on her. And if you would be <clears throat> comfortable doing so, then just lift your arm toward her as a prayer of blessing, and then when Uh, I'm done with my prayer, then we'll have our formal benediction. So let's pray for Rachel. Our Father and our God in heaven, we, are, uh, we have been blessed by getting to know Rachel, by observing how she lives her life for you, by uh, the, the way that she has dedicated herself uh, to the work that she's done here. And we know that she has dreams, aspirations of additional education, of starting ministries, of, of, of being a motivational speaker, of having a family, many things that are still in her heart, her desire for her future. And so much of that is beyond her control, uh, whether it be government edicts or, or visas or finances or, or the, the blocking of, of religious persecution, all these things that can stand in, in the way. And we know that you are more powerful than all of those things, uh, that you have the power to, to bring these things into fruition. We just pray that you will use her uh, as your servant. I pray that you will bring into her life the people who can help equip and work alongside of her. But above all, I just pray that you will bring into her life the people who can be touched for you by everything that she has to offer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. Boise Bible College exists to raise up leaders for the church. 
where we value scholarship, humility, innovation, and community. For more information about Boise Bible College, please see boisebible.edu.